Okay. Uh, let's see. What we've been talking about is reaching for higher ground. And I'd like to continue along uh, that theme this morning. And uh, let me, you know, give you the definition, you know, of higher ground. How many of you ever use a dictionary? I mean, dictionaries are cool, aren't they? You know, I can't hardly go a day without looking up some words. Like, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. And dictionaries are pretty convenient nowadays, aren't they? How long does it take you to find a dictionary? You know, it's just like, okay, right there, right? Well, the, the term high ground, I looked it up in the dictionary. I've been studying this for some time. But let me just give you what the dictionary says that high ground, you know, the definition of high ground. It says, if a person has the high ground, they're in the best and most successful situation. How, how do you like the idea of being in the best in the most successful situation? It says, the high ground is a position of advantage, superiority, and dominance. High ground gives you the edge, the upper hand over your opponents. Now, do we have an opponent? The devil does his best to discourage and pull us down, but the high ground gives us an advantage, you know, gives us the edge over our opponent. Well, let's look, if we could, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. And it says, All of you, slave and free, both were once held hostage in a sinful society. Then a huge sum was paid out for your ransom. And we know that was the life of Jesus Christ that was paid to set you and me free. It says, so please don't, out of old habit, slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you, you know. Um, at the absolute best, when you start doing what everybody else tells you, you slip back into spiritual infancy. That's at best. Or just slip back into just being a total rebel when we start just doing what everybody else tells us and, and not what God instructs us to do. And it goes on to say in verse 24, it says, Friends, stay where you are called to be. Now, we just got through doing this study called, you know, uh, what was it called? What on earth am I here for? You know, and we studied about what we were created, what we were called Two. So there were five things. We were called, number one, to be loved. To be loved by God. He created us and he called us so he could love us. He called us to belong, belong to his family, which is the church. And then he called us to become more and more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And then he called us to bless, to be a blessing to others to help other people and to honor God. And then finally, he called us to be sent, to take the good news that we know and share it with other people. So if this is, you know, five part of our calling. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 24, says, Friends, stay where you were called to be. God is there. Hold the high ground with him at your side. 
And we're talking about relationship here. Let me see. I forgot some of my stuff. Y'all didn't move my stuff, did you? Huh, hold on. Oh, there it is. Now, we have a choice. We can be reaching for high ground or we can just cling to the high chair. Which one represents you? Are you in your spiritual infancy and it's just like clinging to the high chair? Now, the high chair enables you to see the high ground. You can see the benefits is all on the table. All that chicken and pork chops and steak and all those mashed potatoes and broccoli and green beans and corn on the cob, and you can see it, but you have been incarcerated. You are tied in this little thing, a seatbelt. And they give you this little jar of green slimy stuff to eat. Now, do you want to spend your whole life clinging to the high chair, or do you want to reach for the high ground, you know? And then you can access all the blessings and all the benefits that God has provided for you. Or you want to spend your life in the high chair. Think about it for a moment, you know. He says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29, it says, I do want to point out, we just got to read, it says, hold the high ground with him at your side. And it goes on to say here in verse 29, it says, I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. It's time to grow up. You, you ever see some people who just won't grow up? They, they just look like they're still in high school, although they're 65 years old. And they act that way. They just don't want to grow up. Because see, in the high chair, everything revolves around who? Me. You know. I'm in the high chair, and it's, my favorite song is me, 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 me. Serve me, 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 me. You know? I don't even want to bother taking care of myself. Y'all just clean me up once I make a mess, you know? And it's all about me, me, me. And you, you, you tie them into the little shopping cart when you go to the grocery store. I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. You know, it's all about me, you know? Now, that's not where we want to be on a spiritual level, I don't think. So it says... In verse 29, it says, I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. Now, let me read you something. We'll come back there. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Another translation says, redeem the time. Seize the day. Take advantage of what's before you. And then he goes on to say, uh, verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Are the days we live in evil? It's some of the most evil days I have ever seen when the leaderships abroad in our nation, their brains is falling out of their ears somewhere and they can't find them. Some of the absolute ludicrous, stupid, you know, things that some of the leaders of our nation do. Did I say that out louder or was I just thinking that? 
You know, the Bible says, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. And we have folks in our nation who seems like they're working for the opponent. Some of them are. And you, 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 you just pay attention to the news and you can figure that deal out. It's like, how in the world can somebody be so evil, so self-centered, so, you know, carefree when it comes to the, the people who are in our nation and, and just make decisions that put them at great risk. And people who do evil and horrendous things that basically don't even slap them, you just touch them on the wrist. It's like, now you be a good boy from now on. It's ludicrous. I mean, just absolutely appalling what goes on in the world in which we live right now. You know, that's, that's just an observation as we look around right now. And the Bible says uh, in Ephesians, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And that's where we're living right now. And he goes on to say in verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly. That's the world's way. Don't, just, don't think about it. If it feels good, just do it. You know? It's just all about me, 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 you know? That's the thing that powers the evilness of this world. He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Uh, the, you know, 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine. let me read the whole thing again. It says, I do want to point out, friends, that time is of the essence. There is no time to waste. And, and we, we see that. Time, time is short. So it says, don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. Are you familiar with the acronym that I grew up with, KISS? Keep it simple. I never heard of sweetheart. I heard stupid, you know. <laughs> I think sweetheart is better, you know. Well, I'm just going to spell KISS with K-I-S, okay? Keep it simple at the moment. Keep it simple. It says there's no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Now, the word complication, we, we briefly talked about last week, but it's very similar <coughs> to the word confusion. And uh, how many have, have had things in your life that are just complicated? You know, it's just like, ah. And the Bible says the devil is the author of that confusion. But we know that Jesus is the prince of peace, you know. And some people say, well, I don't mind complication. Oh, really? You go to the hospital, have a little procedure, and you have complications. How many of you want to have complications when you go to the dentist or to the hospital? Y'all want complications, you know? No. And he says, there's no time to waste, so don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. Where? In marriage? How do you keep it simple? You go to the book. This instruction book. You know, the Bible says, husbands, just love your wives the way Christ loved the church. He was so willing to even die, you know, uh, for the church, which we're willing to die to our own self and our own ambitions on behalf of our wives. Wives, it says, love your husbands as the church loves Christ. You know, if we follow the instruction book, we can do life pretty simple. We really can. And he says, uh, keep it simple in marriage. Verse 30 says, grief. Joy, whatever, even in ordinary things, he's saying, keep it simple. 
your daily routines of shopping and so on. You keep it simple to avoid the complications and the confusion that will try to come in like a whirlwind and destroy your life. Verse 31 goes on to say, deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. And the world does thrust stuff on us, doesn't it not? You know, it, it tries us to get, you know, or, or to act like it does. And, and that's all selfish. Uh, the, the world is extremely selfish. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about my truth or whatever. And, and, and it's really not about other people. When God says you love him and you love your neighbor as yourself. He says, deal as sparingly as possible with the things that the world thrusts on you. This world, as you see it, is on its way out. I mean, the world that we see right now is going down the tubes. And that's a good time to reach out and get a hold of some high ground when everything around us is going down the drain. Really, yes. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, that means you're born again, that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that resurrection power that rose him from the dead now dwells within you. He says, if you then be risen with Christ, well then seek the things which are above. Seek the higher ground where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, set your love, set your likings, Set your fondness, it's talking about here. Set your affections on the things above, on the high ground, not on the things of this earth. See, the, the, the value of things, I challenge you to see the value of things through God's eyes. Let me ask you something. In God's eyes, how valuable is a baby? How many of you ever were once a baby? Almost everybody here was, you know. Uh, and, and God extremely values you. And our world, even the nation that has, in God we trust our money, we don't value babies too much anymore in this world because we take their lives. As a civilized society, we take their lives before birth, you know. So I'm talking about uh, there are those who have begun, and the Bible says, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. You know, and he says here, set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Begin to, to see the things from God's value point, from God's perspective, you know. He says, for you are dead. The old sinful selfish you has died and you become alive in Christ. You've been given a new life and you can see things from God's point of view. It says, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He is your life. There's an old song, it's an old hymn. I actually grew up with this old hymn, and I'd like us to uh, listen to it. And please, uh, the words will be on the screen. Sing along with it if you would like to. And it's just talking about higher ground. Do we have that we can play? I'm going to try to sit in this high chair. I'm pressing on the upward way. Thank you. 
tsunamis come in and the storms like that come in a good place to be is on higher ground higher ground it also gives you a much better perspective when you can see from a high position uh, and and that perspective I'm talking about is God's perspective you can see things from his perspective and that which would discourage others you go oh you know I, I see the whole picture now it's not as bad as I thought it really was, you know. You remember uh, Gettysburg, during the Battle of Gettysburg? There was a, a fellow, I think his name was, I believe it was John uh, Buford. And Buford was one of the leaders, you know. And he was there, as soon as he got to this location uh, there in Gettysburg, he, he scouted personally, individually. He went to all the surrounding hills and all, and he used the term, he said, this is lovely ground here. And he had a, a skeleton crew, you know, but they went and they put people on the high ground. So what he had learned when he had gone to military school, you always go for the high ground. It gives you an advantage. It gives you the upper hand. And when Lee and his thousands of men came into the area, just a handful of men held the high ground until reinforcements came. And, and, and they were being blasted away, man. I mean, they took great casualties, but a handful of men were able to hold the high ground. It, it gives you a great advantage. It gives you the upper hand. And because they held the high ground, the battle was won. And the war was won. So do not you know, underestimate the value of you reaching for high ground on a spiritual level because it makes all the difference in the world. It really, it really does. In Isaiah, 
We've talked about it, but I want to read it just real, real briefly, one verse out of it. Chapter 55, verse 9. And it says, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. Higher ways that God has leads to higher ground. And he goes on to say, And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Higher thoughts leads us to higher ground. If you're doing things God's way and you're thinking God thoughts, you will find yourself holding on to high ground with God at your side. That's what he tells us in his word. Now, a parent's thoughts and ways are higher than a toddler's thoughts and ways. Are they not? You know, I mean, what's, what's the favorite song of a baby, you know? Me, 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 my, 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 I, 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 I. Everything revolves around them, and they will cling to the high chair, you know, as long as they can. They really will, you know. Listen to what it says here, my, my favorite verse, you know, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and it says, and, and we know. Now, it's not the word that this little guy over here is like, no, no, no. First word a kid learns. No, no, no. Y'all heard that before? No. no. <laughs> kind of sticks with you, don't it, you know? But this is the K-N-O-W I'm talking about here. And it says, and we know. Those who are pursuing the high ground, they know this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose, his purpose, his ways. We're talking about high ground. And those who understand the high ground, they're learning God's ways and they love God and they're learning God's thoughts. All the things that's going on in their life, even though it seems bad, it's working together for great good. And, and the men and women who are mature see it and understand it and are patient. But when you cling to the high chair, you can't see that. See? You, you, you're not in that high ground position. Philippians 3.13 says, I got my eye on the goal. That's the high ground. A close relationship with the almighty God. I got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. There's a song about that. Onward, uh, huh? onward, Christian soldiers. God is beckoning us onward, but he's also, when he talks about Christian soldiers, he wants us in the high ground. And God is beckoning us onward and upward and setting our affections there, not getting, you know, the world stuff just thrust upon us, you see. And he says, I've got my eye on the goal. That's the higher ground where God is beckoning us onward. H have you identified the things that is pulling you back and pulling you down? Are there things right now in your life that pulls you back and, and it tries to pull you down so you don't get the high ground? Well, once you identify them, we need to do what the, our forefathers who went west did. If you was to follow those wagon trains, you could get anything you wanted to Supply your house. People had pianos, and along that old dusty trail, there was pianos, any shape and size you want, just sitting on the side of the dusty trail. 
It's too heavy to carry. It's killing the horses. Big boxes, the finest of China, you name it. People got to the place and said, you know what? If I'm going to keep going west, I got to leave this stuff behind. You go to the Appalachian Trail, starting down south, or where's around Georgia, the, the first several miles, the, the first week or two of, of, of travel, you'll find all kinds of good stuff along the side of the trail. Because people get to the place and they go, you know what? For me to make the Appalachian Trail, to hike the whole thing from Georgia to Maine, I can't carry all this stuff. I got to leave some of it behind. What is it that is holding you back? And what is it that's holding you down from higher ground? There comes a time when we got to leave some stuff behind. We got to turn loose of some stuff because you just can't go forward. If you hang on to it, what you're going to be doing is clinging to the high chair and you will never attain to the high ground that God wants for you. So it says here in Philippians 3, verse 13, I got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward and upward. It says, and I'm off and I'm running toward the higher ground. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back, you know. I'm forgetting the things behind, the good and the bad. Because you know sometimes the thing that holds us back is looking back behind us. Oh, look how good I used to do. Remember what I did once upon a time? When someone tells you their testimony, and it's okay to share what God did many years ago, but has God done anything recently? If it's always looking back, we know it was like 35 years ago God did something in my life. We need to forget about that. We need to move forward in a relationship with him today. What's God doing in your life today? He says in Philippians 3.14, I'm off and I'm running, and I'm not turning back. So... Let's keep focused on that goal. This is talking about vision, you know, an awesome and a, a, a obedient relationship with God, you know, of moving onward and, and moving upward. He says, so let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, keep focused on the goal of the high ground in a relationship with, with the Almighty God, if you want everything God has for you. Stop clinging to the high chair. You're not going to get everything God wants for you, and, and neither is your kids. If your kids are 35 years old and they're singing, still clinging to the high chair, they're not going to mature. They're not going to get everything that, that you want for them in life. You know, If you don't stop clinging to the high chair, ain't nobody going to give you the car keys. Well, on second thought, they will give you the car keys, but not the car, you know. I've actually given kids my car keys to play with, to entertain them. But see, if you really want to mature and you want to access all that God has in, for, in store for you, we got to turn loose of the high chair. And that's just where everything revolves around me. And we got to pursue the high ground. And that's where everything revolves around the almighty God. It says here, it's, uh, as we continue on, in verse 15 there, Philippians 3.15, it says, so let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. And if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. Mm. Is your vision ever blurred? Is it? It says, and you'll see it yet. Yeah, if, if you let him clear 
your blurred vision. I mean, there comes a time when you take Junior, you know, to the eye doctor and, and, and you get him fitted for maybe some glasses or some contacts and go, wow. I remember, you know, Susan was telling me about her brother when he got his first set of glasses. He never knew that the sky had stars in it until he got a pair of glasses. Like, what are those? You know, it's like, wow. It changes things. And, and, and we need to have vision. Is your vision been blurred? thing about it is often we don't even know until somebody else tells us something they see and you're going, where do you see that? You know, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, for the husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Hmm. Washed. We're talking about so you can see. Washed by the cleansing of God's word. Have you lost your perspective, God's perspective? Um, how many of you wear something like this? Now these things are just as blurry when I put them on as when I don't have them on because they're dirty. They're grimy and all. And all you got to do is lick them and then wipe them on your shirt. No, that's not the way you do it? No, nah, they make this cleanser for glasses, you know. You always carry one of these around with you, right? <laughs> and some paper towels to clean those things. But they sell stuff like this to clean your, the glasses in your, your house. How many of y'all use this stuff at all? You can't live in New England without windshield washer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How... Terrible it is. I mean, it's rained and it's snowed and it's frozen and it's been spitting, but now it's a blue sky. But the roads are terribly messy. You know, the trucks are throwing down salt and sand on all that mess. It's so cold and you're following other cars. And what's happening? It's throwing all this, you know, muddy stuff up in the air. It gets on your windshield. You turn your windshield wipers on and all you're doing is just like smearing mud. Do you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever experienced something of that nature? You go through a lot of this stuff if you want to see where you're going, you know. You spray it on there, and it washes it. And uh, the Bible tells us, he says, the washing of the water of the Word. The washing of the water of God's Word. God's ways and God's thoughts, it, it cleanses our blurry vision and enables us to see, see God and see the high ground and see things from God's perspective. Then he tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how we maintain God's perspective. The Bible not only clears our vision, when you read it, it the, the, the blurry stuff goes away. It also builds our faith. So, so we can begin to, that spiritual climb and turn loose of the high chair and beginning to reach for the high ground. God's Word does that. It changes our perspective. We all of a sudden begin to believe when we're reading that book, I can do this through Christ who strengthens me. I see it now. I didn't see it before. But God's Word, it clears our blurry vision, you know. Uh, let me see. Let me, let me read that verse again. It says, if any of you 
have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. Now, Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, what happens? The people perish. Do you have vision? Do you see the way God sees things? Or is your, bur your, your, your vision all blurred? I like the way the Message Bible says that, verse 18 there. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If people can't see what God's doing, and you can see it here, it clears your vision, you can see what God's doing, what he was doing, what he's doing now in your life, that's what faith is. It allows you to see what God's doing. And it says faith comes by hearing God's word. It says if people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. And they fall, which, which direction? Do you ever fall up? No, you usually fall down. So if you don't have any vision, you know, you, you need the, the, the cleansers, which is the word, uh, you, you, you know, you're going to fall down if you don't have it. You know, when, when God wants us to gain high ground, but without the word that cleanses our vision, we're going to fall down is, is what he tells us here. If people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend, that means pay attention, that they focus and they pay attention, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. See, maturity brings more responsibility, but maturity brings blessings and benefits galore. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, in the Message Bible, it says, Dear friends, Listen, this is God speaking to us. Listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. In the book of Hebrews, now this kind of brings it back to what we were talking about. It says in Hebrews 5.11, it says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull. Does that describe us? It's talking about the people who is clinging to the high chair they're spiritually dull, and they don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now, but th that, that you ought to be so long now that you ought to be teaching others, you know, and you need to be teaching them from the high ground. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food, you know. No, no, no uh, meat, you know, no chicken, no... no uh, pork, no, no beef, no, you know, any of that. It's just all that little green slimy stuff, you know, and sometimes it's orange and whatever else, you know, but you ain't even got to the, that slimy stuff. You're just only drinking milk. That's what he's talking about here. He says, verse 12, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food, still clinging to the high chair, holding to the high chair instead of the high ground. Verse 14 says, For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. My question to you this morning is, do you know how to do what's right? And if you know how to do it, are you doing it? He goes on to say in verse 14, Solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. 
Are you holding to the high ground? Oh, it gives you an advantage. It gives you a, the, the upper hand, or are you just clinging to the high chair? The high chair. And think about it, for real. What relates to you where you're at right now spiritually? Are you clinging to the high chair? Everything revolves around you? Or are you clinging and reaching for higher ground? Day by day by day. Proverbs chapter 4, picking up here in verse 20 again. It says, Dear friends, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Keep my message in plain view. When? At all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Think about it. Focus on it. Ponder it. It says concentrate. You know, pay attention to what God says. Are you, are you going to miss the boss? You know. In verse 22, it says, Those who discover these words live. What's the next two words say? Really live. How many of you want to really live? You know, those who discover these words, it will clear your blurred vision. It'll enable you to see and reach for the high ground and attain the high ground. It says those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul. They're bursting with health. That's the high ground. It says keep vigilant watch over your heart. And how do you do that? Your eyes and your ears are gateways to your heart. So you've got to protect what you see. You got to protect what you hear because it gets into your heart. You see, keep uh, vigilant, watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Now, meanwhile, some are clinging to the high chair, but I believe there's a lot of men and women who want the high ground. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even the olive crops fail. And the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. We're talking about Murphy's Law here. Everything that can possibly go wrong has gone wrong. It's very tempting to just take the low ground. Well, everything I touch is just, everything has gone wrong. Everything's bad. And, and, and what we end up doing is staring at the black dot, just staring at it, staring at the the, the uh, fig trees that are barren and all the other trees that are barren and, and staring at the fields where there's no crops and staring at all the, the, the livestock that's dead in the fields and all the problems, you, just staring at them, staring at them, staring at them. And our life has been staring at these problems here. And Habakkuk, he's telling the honest to goodness truth. <clears throat> he's saying everything can possibly go wrong has gone wrong. And, and a lot of people, you've probably heard people say this, well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. You ever heard something like that? Why are you under the circumstances? Because it is a choice. Did you know that? It's a choice if you want to be under the circumstances or on top of the circumstances. And higher ground is going to put you on top of the circumstances. You know, you say, well... How can I get on top of the circumstances, right? Is that a good question? All the stuff that I can imagine, it's gone wrong. I mean, this went wrong, and that went wrong, and that went wrong, and I'm just doing okay kind of under the circumstances. <coughs> well, Habakkuk told us about Murphy's Law, how it had been gone so wrong against him. That's in verse 17, but listen to what he says in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Do you hear what he said there? He says, I'm going to rejoice when things don't appear so good. The higher ground is spiritual maturity. 
you know. That's what we're talking about. The, the, the high ground of spiritual maturity, that's when the men and the women and every, all the Murphy's Law is going, everything that go wrong is gone wrong, and you say to yourself, yet I will rejoice. But the high cherers, they whine. <laughs> my way. They sing that song. Me, 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 me. My, 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 my. I, 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 I. I want it my way. I'm sorry for impersonating you here this morning, but <clears throat> is that what you do? I want it my way. And we complain and we fuss and we bellyache because things didn't go our way. And they won't go your way. But you get a mature person when everything could possibly go wrong had seemed to have gone wrong. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. It's a choice. And I'm going to tell you, when you rejoice, you climb out from underneath them circumstances. I need a bunch of ushers. Can I, are my ushers out there? Can I get y'all to bring something up here? We're not going to take an offering, so don't get nervous. We're going to give you an offering, okay? So would you pass the offering bucket? Please, everybody, reach in. Take one and pass it on. Come on, let's get that thing moving. Come on. Quick, 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 quick. I'm not complaining. I'm not whining now. I'm just <laughs> instructing, you know. Take one. Pass it on. Please do not eat it, okay? You cannot throw them at the preacher either, okay? <laughs> Pass it out quick as you can. Everybody get one. Quick, 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 quick. What about up in the balcony? You got somebody in the balcony? All right. Good. Please take one. Hang on to it for a couple of moments there. It's yours. All right? You know what? I didn't get one. And there goes my wife with the whole bucket. <laughs> it's all right. Thank you, Mike. It looks kind of like an egg, don't it? You know? Wow. These are cool. Everybody got one? Does anybody not have one? Raise your hand if you do not have one yet. Everybody's got one. Hopefully the guys in the basement got one. Okay. Well, here's my question. How many of you here have ever had some hard times? Honestly, you had some hard times. Now, I sat and thought about this last night, and I said, you know, hard times. And I began to write some words that would kind of describe hard times that a lot of people have gone through, like depression. You ever gone through depression? Have anybody here old enough to have gone through the Great Depression? Raise your hand. Was it, was it a pretty depressing time? It was, you know. There ain't that many of you who went through the Great Depression, you know? How, you know? A couple of you, all right. So when we're talking about hard times, I'm talking about the Great Depression. I'm talking about desperation. I'm talking about devastation. These are the words I wrote down as I was thinking about hard times. Horrific times, dreadful times, awful times, horrendous, ghastly, terrifying times. I mean, life-altering, heartbreaking seemingly so huge and seemingly so final hard times that come against us. I'm talking about the worst that you could possibly imagine, you know. I'm talking about nightmares and, 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 and Murphy's Law gone wild. I mean, hard times. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
You've been through some kind of hard times in your life, right? I mean, Habakkuk said, no blossoms, no figs, no grapes, no olives, no sheep, no cattle, no job, no money, no credit card, no friends, no health, no peace, no nothing. Right? Let's look, if we could, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, well, what's that for? That's ah, just a little gift I wanted to give you, you know. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, these hard times are small potatoes. <laughs> Did you get it? That ain't enough to feed your family with. It ain't enough to feed Junior with, you know. It's a small potato. He says here, these hard times are small potatoes. I mean, one translation says they are light afflictions. They're light. They're, they're, they're just light, you know. These hard, do y'all see that? These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There is far more here than meets the eye. And, and you know what? God says, the worst that you're looking at that's discouraging, that makes you want to whine and cling to the high chair, he says, all that stuff is small potatoes. But because you keep staring at it, you think it's really, really, really big. And he says, verse 18, there is far more here than meets the eye. So you can't see, you can't see it with your natural eye. It takes faith to see it from God's perspective. And if you got the faith to, to get a little altitude to get a little gain a little high ground and you look and go oh wow that ain't as bad as i thought it was when you can see it from god's perspective verse 18 there's far more here than meets the eye the things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow temporal things which are but for a moment don't stare at the temporal things don't stare at the little black dot they're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. All these huge, hard times are small potatoes. You know, well, it looks pretty big. We don't stare at it. And, 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 and for, for God's sake, please put down your magnifying glass. You look at your problem through a magnifying glass and through a microscope, and you stare at it, and you enlarge it, you know. Ah, it's really scary. Don't do that. Magnify God. Don't magnify your problems, you see. It says there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and they're gone tomorrow. Like a flat tire. Anybody here ever had a flat tire? If you had just got out there and just stared at your flat tire, you'd still be there now. On the side of the interstate, three weeks later, you know. But you got past that. You went and you opened the trunk. And somebody would go, Pastor, my spare was flat. Okay, you got two black dots there. Are you going to stare at them? You go over and you look at the tire, and you go and look at the flat tire in the trunk, and you just go back and forth for the rest of your life? Or are you going to do something about it? Well, I didn't have my cell phone. Well, I had it, but the battery was dead. And I didn't have my wire to plug it in. Well, you walk to the next exit then. Or you hang on there. Uh, troopers will stop by and get you in a few moments. What I'm saying is we have a tendency to just stare at the problem instead of looking up and seeing the almighty God. That's what I'm talking about. Don't stare at the temporal things. How many of you on your way somewhere, you're kind of in a hurry, you know, and a red light catches you? And you go, Meh. 
And then the next light catches you also. And what you don't know is it saved you from being in an accident. And there you are whining and complaining because you're not looking from God's perspective. You're not understanding that God works it all together for good. You just stare at the black dot or the traffic light or the flat tire. And God don't want us to stare at the temporal. He don't want us to stare at the barren tree or the field or, or the empty stalls. He don't want us staring there, you see. What about this? Think about this for a moment where it says the things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow like Christ hanging on the cross. That was temporary. But people put him on the cross all the time to force you to see him hanging there and he ain't there. He is risen from the dead and alive and wants to be in your life, you see. What about Moses as he was standing there at the Red Sea? He could have just stared at that Red Sea, but that's not what he did. He looked beyond the Red Sea because God said to go there, and that Red Sea just opened up. And him and about three million people walked through the Red Sea as on dry ground. And then the whole Egyptian army who was after them, when they chased them through the Red Sea, the Red Sea just closed back up over all the Egyptian army. And they were no more. What about Daniel? As Daniel was standing there in that lion's den, what was he looking at? Was he just looking at teeth and listening to growls and all that? No, he was looking up. He was looking up to his Redeemer, the God who he had served, who was and is the Almighty. What about David when he went there and he saw Goliath and all the soldiers, the trained warriors by the thousands were hiding in the rocks. And, and, and David looks out there at Goliath, but he sees not just Goliath, he looks up and he sees the Almighty, the Most High. See, he wasn't looking because Goliath was temporary, see. And the giant problems in your life are temporary. Don't just stare at them and magnify them, but get your eyes on Jesus. Gain some high ground. Get old high chair out of your sight, man. Don't whine and complain no more. I mean, it's time to get the advantage and to get the high ground that God is beckoning us up to. It is a choice that you have to make. And if you're whining, you're a spiritual infant at best. If you're complaining, when you have the choice, yet will I rejoice. When Murphy's Law is in operation, yet will I rejoice. And God turns it around and works it together for good and you start looking at all those major problems and you think, small potatoes, small potatoes, you know. I got my eyes on the life giver, the almighty, the most high is what we're talking about here. Peter standing there by his boat with empty nets, you know. But he looked over to Jesus, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the prince of peace, the king of all kings. And Jesus said, cast your nets up for there. Now, he was a fisherman. He has been doing it his way for a long time. He fished at night because the nets are so big, the fish sip and all. And, and Jesus told him his way. He said, just, just do what I tell you. Cast your net over there. And Peter did, and he had more fish than he ever caught in his entire life. He was learning that he could trust what God said. Have you learned that you can trust what God said yet? Or do you need to get that high chair back into your life again and just whine when it don't go your way? That don't do nothing. It accomplishes absolutely nothing for you. But when you choose, you know what? I, I got to find, ushers are out there letting all the air out of your tires right now, just so you know, so you can practice this on the way home. 
Listen, if your tire is flat, honestly, I had nothing to do with it, okay? But you have a choice. You can rejoice and go, small potatoes. It probably kept me from an accident. I know that God works it all together for good because I love him. So let me read verse 18 once again, and we're going to unplug it. It says, there's far more here than meets the eye. And that takes faith to, to see with your spiritual eye, to have vision, you know. He says, the things we see now, as big as they are, they're small potatoes. This is, they're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. I'm, I'm telling you, when, when you gain the high ground, I, I'm talking about you can see the invisible God, and you can do the impossible. And he goes on to say, he says, the things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now, we, we can't see them with our natural eyes, I mean, it takes faith. They're seen by faith. We're talking about like, like God, like, like his kingdom, like his purposes and his provisions and the answers of prayer and the angels that will protect you. Uh, these are eternal things. And, 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 and when eternal things comes into contact with temporal things, something's got to give. And guess what it's going to be? The temporary things. The, the giants are slain with a sling from, a stone from a sling from a boy. I'm telling you, it is a choice that you and I will make. You can live in the high ground if you want to, or you can cling to your high chair if that's your choice. But when you are in the high ground, when the things go awry, you go, I small potatoes, and you begin to rejoice. And when you begin to rejoice God, he starts tapping his foot, and things begin to happen for your advantage, for your benefit. I promise you this. You whine and you complain, it will get you nothing that is good. Never will it benefit you. You might get your way for a little while, but you don't want to spend all your life in a high chair. You want to gain the high ground. And he says, but the things we can't see now, they will last forever. God is eternal, and he put you here for a purpose, and he wants you to learn his ways. He wants you to think his thoughts. And it brings about transformation. And the difficulties that the devil wants you to stare at, that flat tire, that red light, no matter how bad it is, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what your financial advisor says, no matter what, it's just like small potatoes. So I want you to take that potato home. I don't know how long you can save that potato. It might go bad on you. So you do whatever you want to do with that potato. But the fact that you got it here at church and you're taking it home, and maybe there's somebody in your life who would benefit by you telling them what the scripture says. These difficult times are small potatoes because of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who we serve, who is desperately in love with you, who cares for you, went to the cross for you. And these problems, he said, are small potatoes. Going to the cross and being horribly beaten the way that Jesus was, was small potatoes compared to what the Father had in store for him. And remember the small potatoes. Find that verse in your Bible. It's in the, in the message translation. It is awesome. Let it remind you, whatever it is that comes against you today and this week and this month, is small potatoes. When you got your eyes on the high ground and you're reaching and you're gaining high ground every day. Okay, we, we need to unplug. We got another service here shortly. But uh, can we bow our heads together as you hang on to your little potato there?
Father, I ask your blessings upon these men, upon these women. I ask that you would encourage them, Father. Help them to remember this lesson. Help them to take it home and apply it and to share it with other people who comes across their path. Lord, the difficulties that they have been living under, I ask that, Lord, you would inspire each and every one of us never again to whine, never again to complain. Help us today never again to gossip and speak evil about somebody else. Help us make a choice today to rejoice, to rejoice, knowing that you're working it all together for good. May it become a part of who we are, become part of our DNA, that when problems come, we'll always think of and say, small potatoes, that really can't hurt me because I've given myself to the almighty God. Now, as our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to reaffirm your faith with me as we pray this morning. And if you're here today and you've never welcomed Jesus Christ into your life, would you join us as we pray? Would you allow him to come into your life and forgive your sins and transform your life for the better? And he'll write your name in the book of life. And you've, given, you've been given your ticket to heaven because of what Christ has done for you. Could you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe that the best is yet to come. And I do believe that my problems are small potatoes. I got my eyes on you, Lord, and I'm reaching for the high ground. I believe that Jesus died for me, but he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my life. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus Christ into my life as Savior, as Lord, and as King. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, before you go, don't forget your weekly challenge. It just simply says, this week I will overcome doubt and fear by pursuing the high ground through praising God, even when I feel like complaining. If that's you, you say, I'll try that this week, check it off, drop it in the tithe box on your way out. If you prayed with us a few moments ago, accepted Christ as your Savior, please stop at our Connections desk back there. They've got a little gift bag for you. It's got a Bible, a movie, and some other little goodies that will inspire you, and that's yours. If you're a guest, we have a gift for all of our guests at the Connections desk. And the altar area is open. If you need some prayer, there'll be folks up here who would love to pray with you. On your way out, don't forget, if you're willing to help us out in our nursery to serve once a, a month or once a year or once a week or whatever you can do, it would be greatly appreciated to serve in one of the services from time to time, and we would greatly value that. So please just let the folks in the back know that at the connections desk or put it on a piece of paper and drop it in the tie box. Would you greet one another on your way out? God bless you. You are dismissed.